Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems Podcast live Q&A show. Uh, This week, big, big show today, because this is really cool. Uh, We're joined by our internal expert, Matt Bach. He tends to handle the content creation, a lot of the Adobe software stuff. And our big special guest for today is Sean Jenkin. He is... I've been told a couple different titles, <laughs> software software engineering manager, developer at Adobe, particularly on yep. the After Effects team, because our big subject for today is the multi-frame rendering in the new uh, Adobe After Effects beta right now. So um, as I like to do, uh, Sean, go ahead, give a little bit of uh, introduction for yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. Thank you. So yes, I am Sean. uh, And at Adobe, I work on the After Effects team. I'm a senior engineering manager on the After Effects product. uh, And I work across what we call our digital and video audio organization, uh, which includes products um, besides After Effects like Premiere Pro and Audition and Rush um, and other products as well. So I've been at Adobe a couple of years now. Uh, I guess it's just about two years, Um, but I actually came from the video game industry. So I worked at Microsoft uh, for a long time. I worked on shipping the first original Xbox and the Xbox 360, the original Xbox uh, Live sort of infrastructure. Um, I worked at Disney and uh, worked um, both on the games and sort of the the um, website of that. And then before Adobe, I actually spent five years at Valve um, working on the Steam platform and uh, on, on the various games that, that Valve have shipped over the years. So that's a little bit about me. But now we get to talk about multi-frame rendering, which is what I've spent the last two years uh, actually working on. Yeah, that's exciting. Wow, cool. What a, what a cool background, too. Um, <laughs> not... not not to harp on it too much, but I'm curious, just yeah. right off the bat, how ha- how is um, the industry different going from video games to kind of more of like a, I guess I guess suppose more of a commercial, professional software sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I've worked on you know the the very small titles and helped a lot of publishers and, and small game developers over the years, um, but I've also worked on you know the AAA titles that have come from you know sort of Xbox and, and Microsoft on also on PC. So you know all the way back to sort of like Age of Empires and Rise of Nations and you know that sort of time period as well. I am old now, uh, and so um, you know the the interesting thing about the um, games industry is just the amount of um, small independent studios, you know, one person, two person, three people who are attempting to, you know, make a game that competes against the 40 million, 100 million, 200 million dollar products. That is a really stressful world for a lot of those people to be in. And when you're on the platform side of that, you're trying to work with all of those sort of um, creators. Coming over to Adobe, and the reason that I came to work on After Effects, I've actually been a long-term After Effects user uh, for nearly 15 years now. I've used After Effects in all of that work that I did in um, oh. in video games, and so whether it was on the marketing side or helping to, you know, put together uh, 
um, sort of uh, proposals of things that we might actually want to go off and build. Um, it is such a delight to come over and work on After Effects and to be able to impact the content creators. And me being one of those made that even more exciting for me. Um, the last few years at, at, at Valve, I actually spent a lot of time on the marketing side. So a lot of the stuff that you, if, you, if you're a Steam user and you go to the homepage, you might see animated, you know, uh, takeovers or... Um, you know, other stuff that's within the store. And so I was actually sort of a big part of building the systems that actually allowed us to do that and then building and teaching sort of those platform developers to actually uh, animate um, their uh, their art using After Effects. And so it is a different world, that's for sure. But um, I am very glad to be living in the After Effects space today and being able to impact you know, our designers. And uh, we'll get into a bunch of these things today. But the big thing for me... Being a user, but also for um, you know the designers who are out there, we are spending so much time and effort to try and make you know what we would call that design preview iteration loop, the core of what you do in After Effects, how you get more time to be able to envision, dream, and execute on your creations. That is like my core mission of why I'm spending my time at After Effects is to make you guys be able to achieve your visions even further. And that would be a similar thing to sort of the video game industry. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and it seems like the multi-frame rendering is exactly that about like trying to get more time back. I mean, because really that's that's what a lot of it is, is it's getting your, your time back so that you're not waiting on like your computer to do things. So you can mm-hmm. spend that time like working on the, the design and the multi-frame rendering, like, like, I want you to explain, like, kind of what it is for those that aren't familiar with it. But, like, we, we've done some testing in the, in the current or probably now a, a version or two old of the beta. And mm-hmm. even, like, this early, like, it's pretty darn impressive. Like, yeah. uh, some cases, like, in one and a half to two times higher FPS when rendering is normal. Uh, highest we saw was just over three times faster rendering. Like, that's yeah. that's insane. That's, like, yeah. 20 years worth of hardware advances in one, like, software update. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, who are sort of catching up with this, multi-frame rendering is uh, what we've been building in After Effects to take advantage of sort of all of the CPUs and uh, available memory and, you know, faster hard drives and better graphics cards that, uh, you know, have come along over the years. For many, many years, After Effects, when you go to preview a composition or render out your composition, has essentially used just one thread uh, on your CPU to try and generate all of those pixels, to composite all of those layers together, to apply all of those effects one at a time. Now, there has been small pieces along the way where maybe an individual effect can sort of spin up and use some additional CPU uh, to make part of it a little bit faster. But After Effects has never had the ability in the way that we've done it now, and we'll talk a little different. We'll talk about the difference between the old multi-processing at some point today, I'm sure, versus what we have with multi-frame rendering today. But essentially, what it is is um, we can now look at a composition, and we can uh, begin to render multiple frames at the same time. Um, and while that doesn't sound, I guess, too exciting, the, the 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 speed increases that come along with that are, and as more and more effects are made uh, compatible with multi-frame rendering, what you'll find is that uh, your compositions can, uh, you know, essentially render much faster, and you'll get more time to be able to work on your projects. So. Yeah, so it's, it's basically because uh, After Effects, like Adobe in general, it was a 
it was probably it was more than a couple of years ago now. Um, there was a lot of work done on like GPU uh, based effects and like moving yeah. things to GPU. And now yeah. you're kind of working on the CPU side because yeah, yeah it's it's only the last. Oh, I, I don't know. Houston, you might even know better than me, like five or six years. That really is when we started going beyond like quad core CPUs. Like mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. went from quad core CPUs with just four cores. We're like, oh, only using one thread is not a you know big deal. To now we have CPUs with 32 or 64 cores and like mm -hmm. they're within the realm of, you know, a, you know, a motion graphics artist can afford it, you know. Yeah. And so like that's a lot of power. That, mm -hmm. yeah, now like programs like After Effects and, you know, I mean, Primer Pro will have, I'm sure, improvements in the future and everything else. Like yeah. it's a, almost seems like an industry or worldwide issue <laughs> of like, OK, now we've got to start taking advantage of all this hardware that's mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, we the team the team. I'll just speak to the GPU side because that is a question we get. Like, why doesn't After Effects use more of the GPU? Um, and and part of that is yeah, we only have forty maybe fifty of our effects that actually use the GPU. But even those effects aren't really they don't really require that much GPU compute to complete or GPU RAM to actually execute on. There are certainly some that, you know, might take a gigabyte of RAM or something like that. And when you only have one thread going, it really looks like your GPU isn't actually doing all that much. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of our sort of decision a couple of years ago to say, okay, we're going to go and do multi-frame rendering was looking at the fact that it wasn't just the GPU that was increasing in resources, but the CPU was scaling and the memory was scaling, even down to the PCI bus, PCI bus 4, you know, th that sort of performance that you can get, it now even starts to remove some of the bottlenecks between moving data from your CPU over to your GPU, which is actually even more performance. So, uh, yeah, we... We have not lost sight of doing more in the GPU. And in fact, if you use the current, even released version of After Effects, there is now a new Draft 3D mode that fully takes advantage of the GPU. And you will get real-time rendering for 3D portions of your um, application. So um, while I'm here promoting MFR, you know, multi-frame rendering, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that there is an entire 3D engine that's being built. The wow. thing about the 3D engine and why we still are doing multi-frame um, multi rendering Right now, those are working sort of in parallel. You might have scenarios where you need to do lots of 3D work. You might have scenarios where you have a composition that's 30,000 pixels by 30,000 pixels. And right now, you can't just sort of put that onto the GPU and hope to get any sort of performance out of that. You can't load everything up. But uh, as we move forward into the future, we're certainly looking at opportunities to sort of merge those two worlds. I mean, my greatest dream is real time in After Effects for every little thing that you're doing. Will we ever get there? I don't know. Image composition is a, a hugely expensive computational system. Um, and and so there's going to be years of work to do to try and get that. But that's where we're heading. So. Yeah. So I, man, I'm, I'm worried we're going to get too off topic because we have a lot we talked about <laughs> about the MFR stuff. But the, the, yeah. the 3D stuff where you're talking about, like it's going to fully use the GPU. So is that doing like GPU ray tracing? Or is that uh, different? It, it, it's essentially, I mean, it's a physical-based renderer. Um, okay. So if cool. you use the Adobe Dimension app, um, or what we sometimes call Zero, it's the same engine, essentially. But now what we've been able to do is feed the 3D layers in After Effects up into that engine. So, uh, you know, not everything's working. That's why it's still in the draft 3D mode. You won't get all yeah. of the shaders. You won't get all of the, you know, you won't get all of the... Uh, 
final fidelity and rendering. But you will get, you know, the ability to see your 3D move a lot faster. And again, we're going to continue to evolve that so that you can get, you know, as high quality in a 3D space as you possibly can. And then, yeah. you know, we can take the 2D layers or other things that are rendering off effects, use multi-frame rendering to generate all of those what we call bins of that data and then actually pipe that into the 3D engine at some point here in the future so that that all is you know one fast system so yeah and that's really cool yeah this is making me think that oh man like we, we have a benchmark that we use um and you know allow people to download it makes me think like oh i'm gonna have to add something for multi-frame rendering and now something for the 3d stuff for the gpu <laughs> but it's gonna be really nice to be able to show people like this is the benefit you'll get if you invest in a higher core count cpu this is the benefit <laughs> you'll get if you invest in a higher end gpu and yeah. like having that available is just always awesome. And the fact that you don't need to like invest a super crazy amount of money into it, because like, like I was saying earlier, like we saw pretty good performance gains, even with like a eight core, you know, mm -hmm. run of the mill CPU, like that, that was yeah. still two times faster. So it's not yeah. like you have to invest in a crazy mm -hmm. high end CPU. Um, yeah. So before we go any further, I, I kind of want to show off a, a, a demo of, yeah. of this multi-frame rendering, just for the people who haven't seen it. Um, Houston, you mind switching over? Actually, it's very perfect that you're 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 oh, okay. we're segueing into this because Moose Moose Doves does stuff on Twitch. Was uh, he had just mentioned? I looked at the Adobe site and I'm still confused. Is multi-frame rendering actually rendering more than one frame at a time? I think the short answer is yes, and we're about to yes. we'll show you exactly yeah. the proof of that here in just a moment. So here we go. Whoop. Okay. So this was just uh, yesterday. I just loaded up a system. I think it was like a 3970X uh, CPU. So 32 cores. And uh, the top here is just with single frame rendering in the beta. Bottom is multi-frame rendering in the beta. So I'm going to hit play. I'm actually going to pause it a couple of times uh, to let you explain a couple of things in here, Sean. So sure. hit play here. Hopefully the thing will go away. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things I wanted to ask before we like really get into this too long is I noticed the, the multi-frame rendering, it's taking a long time for it to like start up. You've got this like yeah. loading bar and yeah. the single frame rendering is already going and it's you yeah. know made some progress. Yeah. What is that long startup? Is that going to get better over time? Um, yeah. Just kind of what's going on there? Yeah, so um, the way that the multi-frame rendering works initially is uh, we take the project that you have and the composition that you have, and we need to create additional rendering threads. So each frame that we're going to render concurrently to answer Moose Does Stuff's uh, question, we basically create a thread that's going to control rendering for one frame at a time. Um, mm. The version that is currently live uh, as of this morning, um, essentially waits until all of those um, threads have been created. And we've made a copy of the composition onto each one of those threads so that we can essentially render them um, you know, in a concurrent way. Now, the build that's actually going to go live this afternoon is going to reduce that time uh, somewhat significantly in that we uh, Internally, what we've done is serialize the deserialization, which means nothing to anyone here. But essentially what it means is as soon as one project and one render thread is ready to go, we're actually going to start rendering on that. We're not going to wait on the rest of them. Um, and so you, what you'll see uh, moving forward is the startup time is dramatically reduced from when we're actually starting to render frames. The caveat to that is you will see the concurrent frame number grow over the first you know, n number of seconds while rendering is starting. Now, hmm. that's today, but the, there are multiple people working right now to actually remove the entire startup process. 
Um, and so we have a very clear plan and we're well down the path of that. And, and you know, probably within, you know, a handful of weeks, we will have removed that startup time completely. And so you'll hit render and we will be instantly rendering at that point. Wow. Cool. That, that's going to be really nice because I, I mean, it's I guess we should point out that this is this is in beta right now. And mm-hmm. it's only for exporting. So this isn't being used for like Today, preview. Yep. Um, I know there's a bunch of other things that like there's the blog posts from Adobe saying like these things are coming. Um, yes. But something like removing the startup time is kind of critical to do before like you can have playback because you don't want to exactly. hit play and wait five seconds. Yep. Or, you know, depending on the complexity of your project, you might be waiting a minute uh, or at least you would have <laughs> cool. been. Um, but now, you know, basically we, we will be much faster uh, to get that initial startup. But yeah, part of the oh. hold up on sort of making preview available is we need to remove this startup time so that it is as fast as, um, you know, the single frame rendering startup is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. makes sense. So I'm, I'm going to hit play to just like kind of let this yeah. go. Um but it's it's really cool to see it like in person here. Like the, the CPU usage is crazy different. The top mm-hmm. one we're using like one core, and there's other things going on in the other cores, but not much. Yeah. And the bottom one, like it's at a hundred percent a lot of the time. Like that mm-hmm. is amazing. It's so good to see. <laughs> I, I tell you, the first time that we saw that, we we have partnered with you know AMD and Intel. Uh, over the last, you know, two years as we've done this. And we do have a, an AMD with the 64 uh, physical cores and the 128 logical cores. Now, mm. uh, if you have a machine like that, you might find that we're still only using up to 64 cores. That is something to do with the Windows operating system that we're working through to, to sort of handle what they call processor groups. Uh, but seeing those 64 cores light up and be used was was pretty special for all of us as well. Yeah. Oh, so that, that's interesting to hear about the processor groups because, yeah, in, in our testing, we tested the, up to the 64 core CPU, the a- AMD 3990X, and we didn't find it really, it was actually slower than the 32 core. But that, that would totally explain it if if it can only use 64 you know, logical threads. Yeah, that'd explain it. So hopefully yeah. that'll be something I'm sure sounds like you guys are working on it. So that'll yeah. make it even more performance gains we could see if someone yeah. was to invest in one of those higher end CPUs. Yeah. And it's funny just to note that like that top one is still going. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's still rendering. It's it's going to take it a little <laughs> while. So that's like that's an insane amount of time you can get back um, either from doing, you know, pre renders or your final render or, you know, yeah all of this kind of thing. And um, this is going to be coming, or is it going to be coming to like like motion graphics templates? Like if you brought something into Premiere Pro, would mm-hmm. you be able to use this multi-frame rendering? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned earlier, right now it is uh, focused on render queue export. And we chose render queue export because it's a really good way to make sure everyone can tell us the time it took to render. Mm. And we know that the resources aren't having to be stolen away for preview because when you do a preview, we're trying to keep as many of those uh, frames in memory at the same time, which actually can limit the amount of frames you can render right now. Now, that's a whole other story for a whole other day about how we're gonna fix that. But uh, the render queue was a really great way for us to be able to test this uh, consistently across machines. so uh, render queue first. Uh, the next thing that's coming will be preview. Uh, as we sort of talked about, we need to get rid of that startup time. And then things like uh, Premiere Pro motion graphic templates, so ones that have been created in After Effects, loaded into Premiere Pro, will take advantage of um, 
of multi-frame rendering once that's ready. So a couple of months nice. from now, something like that. Um, uh, Adobe Media Encoder uh, right now is basically asking After Effects for one frame at a time. And mm -hmm. so we've got some work to do there to say, hey, you can ask us for lots more frames. Uh, and so you will eventually get that performance boost out of Media Encoder to After Effects um, to actually speed that process up. Uh, and then also the AE Render command line. Uh, that does work now, uh, but with the caveat and a big asterisk that you get no control over you know, the AE render process to do with multi-frame rendering. It's all within the the back end and you can't turn it on or off. You can't do any of those things at this point. So mm. we've got work to do in our backlog to get uh, the command line renderer tool up to the same sort of, you know, options and functionality and maybe some more because we know people want to do background rendering with it or they might mm -hmm. want to say, actually leave half my system to do something else. And so we want to yeah. be able to provide that functionality. So all of that is to come uh, and we will... We will be staying in beta until all of that is done. We don't want to ship this to users and users be like, oh, man, I can't really use it in the six places that I actually want to use it. If you want to try it out now, come and join the beta. We've got, you know, a thousand plus people every day using this, which is fantastic. But we'd love more people to come and try it. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to wait until we feel like we've got all of the places that multi-frame rendering should work and all of the effects that After Effects ships before we will make this sort of publicly available. Um, but the beta is publicly available for everyone, so just sort of in the released version of the, of the Yeah. A couple of notes I want to make on the beta for anyone uh, before we jump into I saw there's a really good question that I want to lead into. But uh, before that, uh, with the beta, a couple of things I want to point out to people is uh, the beta, you can just download through the Creative Cloud app and it installs alongside your normal After Effects install. So it doesn't overwrite it. So you can still jump between the release version and the beta. And I don't believe the project files are any different, correct? So like correct. you can load up your current project on the beta and then jump yeah. back to the release yeah. version if you have any issues. Um, so loading up the beta just to try things out, like all it'll take cost you is a little bit of time and then the you know download amounts, you know, what are yeah. a couple of gigs or whatever. So it's yeah. really cool to try that. That's exciting yeah. to know that that you could that you could just jump back and forth because then you can compare your actual like performance mm -hmm. gains. Like I'm already working on this project, and that's really cool. I just want to say, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the project formats are compatible. Um, and it, and a little secret, little nugget. Uh, we actually haven't revved our project formats for After Effects since version 16. So you could actually still be working on projects 16, 17, and 18, and they're all actually compatible at this time. At some point, yeah. very soon, we're going to have to rev it for a different reason. Oh no! Uh, but uh, <laughs> but right now, there's a, a you know we'll we'll always keep the version of the beta and the stable version working together yeah. from a project standpoint. So. Oh, that's sad to hear about the projects. So that's one of the nice things with like our benchmarks and stuff is we don't have to have a whole bunch of different revisions of the project files. No, it's not anytime in the next six months. Don't worry about that. But there are <laughs> oh, stuff no, I, you know, that we're working on. So and it's one of those things that has to happen. You know, as you're adding changes and effects and, and all of that, at some point you've got to cut that, you know, yeah. cut that project thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Houston, there's a question I saw about the the old multiprocessing. Mm -hmm. Robert Holden on YouTube, he asks, uh, he says, okay, here's my first question. I'm old enough to remember using the original multiprocessing in AE. The rule of thumb was to have a certain amount of RAM per thread. Is that still the case? He goes on um, to say, like to... in other oh, words, sorry, can you have, he goes on to say, in other words, can you have too many cores running versus the RAM you have <laughs> in the system? 
Yeah, and I actually want to walk that step back a, a little bit. Um, Sean, can you explain what was the old multiprocessing in After Effects? How is it different from this new one? And then we'll answer his question. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we called pro multiprocessing in After Effects essentially took your composition uh, when you went to export it in the render queue and broke it up into um, sections. So maybe let's say you've got eight... <laughs> instances of, uh, oh, you're gonna, you've got eight cores or something like that, and you've got an 80 frame comp. I'm trying to do simple math here for myself. Um, <laughs> so After Effects may say, okay, each, uh, each core is gonna get 10 frames. But what we'd actually do behind the surface is start up seven more instances of After Effects. Not just oh. in like not just the command line version, but essentially a hidden fully UI version of After Effects that uh, knew nothing about what any other frame was actually doing or any other rendering was doing and didn't care about competing resources in any sort of way. So it was literally you had to pick somewhere on a slider to say, this is what I think my system can handle. And the reality is most people got it really wrong. They overscheduled their machine and they actually ended up being much slower than if they just sort of, you know, pick two or pick three. They would like pick 16 or something silly like that. And then they'd never have the system to do that. So the the big so that so I mentioned two things in all of that that's different. One, the instances of After Effects having to be started up and the overhead to do with the memory and the management of all of that. And secondly, that the uh, not one instance didn't know about the other instance, and so they couldn't manage any of this. Uh, your effects all had, if you had, you know, uh, an effect that was used, it would be uh, instantiated, and all of the memory associated with that, you know, whether it's RAM or VRAM, would have to be duplicated for every one of those processes. Oh, exactly. Man. So the big thing about what we've done with multi-frame rendering is there is still only one instance of After Effects running and it knows about everything that's going on. It knows how many threads, it knows where your GPU VRAM is, it knows how much RAM you have, it knows about uh, you know, if effects are spinning off to create other threads to do work, it knows about all of that. And we can monitor all of that. And so what you'll find as we continue on this multi-frame rendering journey is um, uh, one of the things we're building is dynamic composition analysis. Um, you know, put a little trademark somewhere up there. But, uh, you know, what we're essentially doing is saying, okay, at this point in time, we're looking at the frames we're trying to render and the frames that are coming up. And we're looking at, okay, how much... Uh, video RAM is needed to actually produce this frame based on the GPU compute effects. How much RAM is currently available in the system? Are we saturating the CPU cores? Or is everything at a point where we could actually add an entire another concurrent frame? Or could we add two? Could we add three? Could we add four? Oh no, that next frame is going to do something stupid, you know, compared to what everything else has been doing. And we need to drastically reduce, you know, the number of concurrent frames to keep the system actually going. And so that is the piece that we're working on, you know, well, it's one of the many pieces we're working on right now. But this is a thing that we could never do with multiprocessing. We could never be able to analyze this situation and be able to give you the most performance for your composition, for your computer configuration at all times. And that is sort of the, you know, the linchpin of us. Right now, what you're getting in multi-frame rendering is we do a scan of your system. We know the base resources. We take some guesses based on composition resolution, maybe some frames that have rendered. And we say, okay, we think we can do six concurrent frames. And we'll just try that for the entire life cycle of the render. But we might have gotten 50 frames in. And if you use the benchmark project, you will see this. The first 30, 33 frames render really quickly. And then it 
mm-hmm. halts and it slows down. And I think what you'll find is in the future, we're going to get to about frame 30 and be like, oh, it's going to get really complicated in a minute. And we might adjust the number of concurrent frames so that we're getting the most out of the system without overloading the system. And that's a big part of what's actually happening. Um, so I know that's a big, long story. To I, I'm going to pick one more thing out of uh, Robert's question there is um, when you're thinking about a system that you might want to buy or put together, um, think about for multi-frame rendering somewhere between two to four gigabytes of RAM per core that, uh, you know, physical core that you're actually going to have. That's probably a pretty good starting point. Um, obviously, the more RAM you have, the less chance we're going to have to page and purge and all that sort of stuff. But as a, as a starting point, that's a pretty good starting point. And on a GPU VRAM, right now, where you know, if you're doing 1080 comps, we would say a gigabyte of VRAM per physical CPU core. But if you're doing 4K comps or 8K comps, you know, start multiplying that out by, by a lot more. So if you can afford the 24 gigabyte you know, or the 48. Uh, NVIDIA were very uh, kind to us recently and let us have a look at their A6000 card, which has 48 gigabytes of VRAM in it. Um, <laughs> and so we'll use all of that if we can you know, get enough <laughs> concurrent frames going on that. Oh, no so, doubt. Yeah. yeah. But, but really, it's it should, it'll end up being a lot more efficient than the old render multiple frames simultaneously. Because yeah. that one, like you are saying, like if you want to spin up eight instances, Hey, you're yeah. eight times the RAM and eight times the VRAM and everything else. And that's yeah. kind of like um, how the you know, a lot of those plugins, like the, the Render Garden plugin and stuff, I, I know they use AE Render in the background, but they're basically doing the same thing too, right? Like if you want to have two render threads, okay, that's double the RAM. Um, yeah. This, it, it we've done some testing. And like it, it's hard because it, it's still early. There's still a lot of work to do, especially with you're talking about like the resource management and stuff. So it's hard to really know for sure. But it's sure, like from what we've done so far, RAM usage, I mean, it was only like 10% higher, but I don't know if that's just because like we had plenty of RAM or or what. So like, yeah, it's it, going to be I interesting mean, to see. It is. You're certainly using a lot more, but we are reusing a lot more as well. So you're not yeah. having those instances duplicated. When I'm sort of saying two to four gigabytes and I can see some comments about, oh, that might feel like <laughs> a lot uh, of, of RAM. This is sort of, you know, when when large enterprise organizations are coming to us and saying, okay, with multi-frame rendering, how do we plan for the future? Those are sort of the guidelines we're giving them. We don't know at this point, you know, what their composition, are they doing, you know, 1080, 4K, 8K, anything like that? We don't know the effects they're going to use. Um, so that's just sort of a very... We don't want to. You don't want people to go in and go uh, and buy a 32 core machine and put 32 gig of RAM. That will mm-hmm. probably se- severely, you know, restrict the number of concurrent frames that we can actually do. If you could go to 64, then we're feeling pretty good about you know the number of concurrents that we can go to. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I can only speak for you know the, the systems we sell, but um, it's actually not that much off from what we're currently doing. Like we we really encourage people to get a lot of RAM. And it, it wasn't for performance reasons, like how fast you can render frames, like it will be in the future, but it was just so you can have all those frames in RAM preview, because not having to regenerate frames is always going to be faster than having to process them you know, from scratch. Um, and so like a 32 core CPU, um, which is probably going to end up being one of the more popular ones, at, at least for us, for our high-end After Effects users, that's 128 gigs of RAM. That's, that's not too... Um, you know, insane, at least for us. I, I know for the people who are used to buying, you know, eight core CPUs with, you know, 32 gigs of RAM, like, yeah, that's a big step up. 
But I think the main thing uh, that I always want to point out to people is like, yeah, but now it's a, like a big step up. Like, yeah, yeah. you're going to invest another, you know, two, three thousand dollars. But hey, now your performance is going to be twice as high, whereas before your performance would have been the same. Yeah. So, like it, it's always good to have upgrade paths. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And those numbers are, are, are really coming from more of an angle of like best possible outcome. Oh, absolutely. Right? So like yeah. if, you, if you are on a 16 core and you've got whatever, 32 gigs yeah. of RAM, you, it may not be as good as if you yeah. maxed it out, but you're still, I, th- I feel like no matter where you're coming from, this, this is going to help. You're going to be doing work faster no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, a really good example. So the machine that I'm talking to you guys on right now is my MacBook Pro. It is a six core, 12 logical core with just 16 gig of RAM. It's meant to be my, you know, my, my word processor, not really my dev machine. Um, and we will get, depending on the project, somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 times improvements with multi-frame rendering. That's great. But I can absolutely tell you watching the logs, it's because I've run out of memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are more things there that we can do you know, core wise, but uh, with 16 gig of RAM, I can't do, you know, as many frames as I might actually want to do that. So, so that would be, you know, one thing to sort of watch. So. Is, is there any plans for any sort of like um, resource? Uh, I, I don't know what like reporting where like After Effects would actually tell you like, hey, the limiting factor right now is RAM or your limiting factor right now is CPU cores. Is there any Matter. plans for something like that? It's like you're looking at our backlog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've actually had a, uh, a resource monitor concept sitting um, in our, our backlog as part of this project. What we, as we talk to users, though, you know, a lot of people who are going to look at it are probably as familiar with looking at Task Manager. Um, mm. So the second part you talked about there, which is helping users understand what is maybe blocking them from getting more performance. That is where we're actually more interested in in sort of providing that information now. Um, and so, yeah, what we're trying to do is identify, okay, internally we've got all these metrics that we're tracking. Okay, how many CPU cores are busy? How much RAM's being used? How much VRAM's being used? And when we start hitting a bottleneck, then we can start reporting that piece of bottleneck information in some user-friendly way. It's probably not possible for me to upgrade my GPU VRAM on this laptop, right? So that's... <laughs> At some point, it might be useless. But if we can say when you're opening the project, hey, it looks like you know the VRAM is going to be a problem here, maybe switch to software rendering mode. And yes, you might have thought that was slower in the past, and maybe it was. But maybe you've got more RAM than VRAM, and we can actually produce frames faster based on that. So um, the concept of Mercury software and Mercury GPU mode, which has been you know, a longstanding compute, but also a resource discussion, is now one where we're trying to think internally how do we optimize for the user automatically? So um, we, we know that we're yeah, seeing- Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we get those questions, I mean, all the time. And yeah, we, we look at Task Manager, we ask them to send us screenshots and stuff. And you can pull a lot out of Task Manager. Things things like RAM and VRAM usage are probably the easiest ones. Yeah. Uh, but knowing like more GPU power or CPU power, that's where it gets really hairy because Task Manager is not always precise. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always going to tell you the whole story. I mean, there's yeah. so many times where, you know, people will, you know, send a screenshot of, you know, task manager and like CPUs at 15%, GPUs at 10%, RAM's not fully loaded. And like, what's the problem? Like, who knows? It's yeah. probably some IO or something. Yep. Uh, yep. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, there's stuff that we're working on in the future that might even help as you're putting your composition together, understanding what layers and what effects are actually causing your project to slow down or balloon up in resource mm. usage. And we're trying to figure out ways to help designers be able to um, quickly identify those scenarios and, oh, I just did something and that's going to make my rendering much worse. And, oh, that'd know, be great. Maybe we can help you find the steps. Oh, look, if you right-click and say, you know, pre-render as a proxy, you'll remove that, you know, sort of slowness. And just those sorts of things that help users self-solve their sort of performance issues yeah. without spending more money. But we yeah. want to spend more money. <laughs> we've, we've had some times where we, we ask, I mean, we try to get a lot of our customers to, like, send us a project so we can load yeah. it on things, like, look at it, like, tell them exactly what benefit they'd see with, like, a new system or an upgrade. Um, yeah. And... It's not uncommon. Like where we'll we'll be div diving into it. Um, this happens a little more often on the video side because they're they're less complex, so we can find them easier. And we find out like, hey, there's this one effect that I like universally apply, and like it does almost nothing, but it like tanks their performance. And you know they might look at that and be mm -hmm. like, oh well, yeah, that was just some like thing we copy onto every project as like a baseline like effect. Mm -hmm. Like why? <laughs> and it just kills yeah. it. So like any sort of reporting like that will be awesome. Yep. Uh, because uh, I, I also saw in the beta, um, if you're using an effect that's not multi-frame render um, compatible quite yet, I, I believe it flags it, right? So how far are you guys in like porting effects over to be multi-frame rendering? And what about yeah. like third parties, like, uh, you know, Red Giant and all those guys? Our good friends at Red Giant, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're a huge part of, uh, you know, the After Effects ecosystem. So we are working very closely. In fact, we have our next meeting with them on Monday morning. So, um, but let me go back and answer sort of the question that you said. So with After Effects itself, uh, we ship about 290 uh, effects that you can use, um, plus or minus a handful, depending on how you think about things like Puppet. Is Puppet an effect or is it a built-in feed? Anyway. <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, so we've done, out of those 290, we've done about 200 of those effects that we've made oh, wow. multi-frame uh, ready. And um, the process to make an effect multi-frame ready um, really means you have to go into your code and identify anything that uh, would have two threads potentially reading or writing to the same piece of data. And when you have that situation, you know, that's where multi-frame rendering will either produce uh, incorrect pixels or it would crash After Effects. So any um, effect that is not marked as multi-frame ready, actually, we we take all of the concurrent rendering threads, but when it gets to that particular effect, we actually say, okay, only one, uh, only one thread in at a time. And until that thread leaves that effect, we can't send the next one in. So that way we can keep the, the safety. So you still get some performance benefits the more effects that you have that are not multi-frame ready, the you know closer to single-frame rendering uh, you might get speed-wise. And with that startup time we've already talked about, might actually end up slower in some of those cases. Um, but when you can get a project that is fully multi-frame ready, including all the effects, then we can you know run all of those in parallel. So uh, first party, we are about two-thirds of the way. Um, everything that has a CC on an effect, so the cycle effects, those are all fully multi-frame or uh, multi-frame aware. Um, our plan and our goal is that before we ship this to all customers, the remaining 90 or so effects that we have will all be um, multi-frame ready. Um, there is sort of some questions, you know, and we would love to hear from customers, things like the, the VR effects, which are primarily GPU effects, um, you know, 
do those need to be because when you use them is not always in a case where you're going to export potentially with them and sometimes it's like i just want to put the goggles on and i need to look around and see what this effect does so our goal is to get them all done but we're certainly looking at every one of them just to sort of figure that out on the third party side so um, most of the third parties have done an incredible job over the last nine months of not talking about this. Um, so they, we, we started meeting with all the third party developers who are you know, connected and have NDAs with us back in June of 2020. Um, and so they've had access to early builds of After Effects with multi-frame rendering. Now, to be fair to all of those third party developers, until January, it wasn't any faster. Um, this is a tangent, so I'll finish one story and we can come back to this other story. But essentially, for the last couple of months, they've actually had access to a build that's faster. Um, and so now is the time at which they can really start to say, okay, I'm looking at my effects, I'm fixing the thread safety issues, and I can see my performance. So what we expect is sometime around May, you'll start to see third-party effects uh, with multi-frame rendering support. Excuse me. Part of that is we owe them one more release uh, of the platform, the SDK that we use for making multi-frame rendering compatible um, effects. There are some things that we're going to ship in the next week for them that will help unlock all of the performance that we have essentially got internally. So we've asked them to hold off from shipping multi-frame rendering compatible plugins until they have access to everything that they need so that users aren't confused or they have an early version then it doesn't sort of work properly or anything like that. So mm-hmm. uh, the third parties have been incredible to work with. Um, they are such a huge part of our ecosystem and we are not doing this without them, which is also another reason that we have this long beta cycle because uh, we want to give everyone a chance to get their plugins upgraded and be able to take advantage of everything. So Yeah. And one of the things, too, I noticed on the, um, I forget where it was listed, on the FAQ, maybe on the beta forum, uh, someone linked to the effects list, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know, Houston, if you can put that in chat or whatever or over here. And you guys have great documentation between, like, here's the effect and does it support multi-frame? And yes or or no. And it's really great to be able to poke in here and just know that, like, okay, you've made it through you know all of these ones like fractal noise super used all over the place yes it's multi-frame ready but if you yeah. use you know i don't know add grain no right now it's not but your goal like you were saying is for all of these to be um or at least the vast majority of them before it leaves beta uh and yeah. that'll be oh man while, while you're sure still sharing my screen i'm going to pop back to the video just again like having your cpu look like this versus that is such a huge deal. And the more effects that we can have that are multi-frame ready, like that's what we want to see across all projects, correct? Not because I know we had a couple that I believe we even emailed to you. And yeah, like you were saying, they were slower with multi-frame rendering, but it's because they were using effects that weren't uh, multi-frame ready. And so that longer startup time was killing it. And just, yep. yeah, all of that going away is something I'm super looking forward to because it that's just going to raise all of those performance numbers even more. So I'm excited to see once all of this is done, what we can actually get out of like a 64 core Threadripper. Like I, yep. I'm hoping to see like four or five times speed up yep. over, you know, what we're seeing today. Like that's, I don't know. I, this is one of those like la- launches and features that is just like, absolutely ridiculous and when people actually get it 
in their hands, especially for like playback and they hit play and like they were getting five FPS before. And hey, now you're getting 24, you're getting full FPS like that's that is like an absolute game changer. It, it, it you, the, that is exactly right. The game changing word is what I use internally when I turn on preview and I've gone from, you know, let, let's say 10 frames and I can start, sort of get an idea of what my animation is going to look like. And then I turn it on with multi frame rendering and it is real time. Essentially, by the time it's playing back, it it really changes what you can actually think about and do. Um, so so that. That is really, really uh, a huge part for us is, is to get that there. So, yeah. Yeah. Or not having to go down to like quarter resolution, be able to stay at yep. half or full resolution so you can actually see what's going yep. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, Matt, uh, you know, I do have to say thank you for sending over all of your projects. So, uh, you know, one of the things that's really important for us in the beta is getting user projects user projects that break uh, multi-frame rendering or don't show performance improvements. And what we do is exactly what we do. We did with Matt's. We actually put them into our performance lab and they are running on 10 different machines every single day with every single build that we ship. And so we have got graphs that show us how fast it's running in single frame, how fast it's running in multi-frame on different GPUs, on different CPUs. And that is giving us great insight. And when we make the fixes, we have immediate information that shows, look, this is now actually improved in performance and we can track that over time. So, uh, you know, not that we're trying to say, let's make the Puget Systems benchmark as fast as possible, but it will be. Uh, But if other people... If other people have projects, we want those projects because, you know, out of the public beta that we've run now for three weeks, a little over three weeks, maybe, um, uh, every time someone has said this project doesn't load or it crashes, we've got a bug written up, we've got the repro case, and we've got fixes going in place. And we ship the beta builds normally Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, this week's been a little bit different. We've been holding a bunch of things, and it's all going out tonight. Uh, but but essentially what we try and do is ship the beta every day. And that way, the thing that was broken yesterday might be fixed today for you. Mm. And so then suddenly you've got that performance for your project, and that's you know how that beta is helping us, you know, helping us make our designers be more successful. Yeah, that's great. That's one of the things like I'm super excited with Adobe's take on all this open beta stuff. I mean, not just the After Effects team, but like Premiere and Photoshop. Um, Just the fact that you're encouraging people to send in things that you can analyze is amazing because like even as a developer, like you, you can't do every combination that people will do out there. It's impossible. (laughs) And so, and people do weird things too. People do really weird things. So letting people do what they normally do and Mm -hmm. you making sure that the software will work with whatever strange or normal combination they're doing, like that's the only way you're going to find those bugs and Mm -hmm. fix them is to have people report them to you. Uh, Yeah. Just it's impossible otherwise. Yep, no, agreed. So if you find a project, mfrbeta at adobe.com, just send it over to us, mfrbeta at adobe.com. <laughs> right on. So we do have a, we have a couple of questions from, uh, from YouTube. Um, I'm going to just touch on uh, Ibrahim Kursid asks, uh, will Adobe optimize After Effects for more core AMD chips? Yes, that's everything we're talking about. <laughs> Basically, I was wondering if that may have been more of a broader thing rather than just the the focus on multi frame rendering, because I, I do think it also ties back mm. to the second question from Roland uh, Kallenberg. He says, "How soon can we see MFR for previews?" Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I guess I'll take them in order. So um, uh, as I said, we've been working closely with the AMD team. And so one of the huge things about the Threadripper infrastructure and uh, is those CPU cores aren't sharing a single cache. Um, they're actually logically grouped. You know, so if you've got 32 cores, you actually have four eight-core uh, you know, setups, and each one of those have their individual caches. So if we can make the right choice to put the right uh, data into the right caches, we can take advantage of that sort of different architecture and actually get more performance. So we could be doing frames one to eight on eight cores, and then frames nine through 16, which might have completely different cache needs, you can get that data over it. Those things can run in parallel. And so, yes, we're, we're working on, you know, how do we optimize for, for AMD chips, for Intel's, you know, for the more general Intel architecture, um, where, you know, while After Effects today runs in Rosetta mode on Apple Silicon, that Apple Silicon still uses unified memory. So we don't have to shuttle data across a PCI bus. Nice. Um, so in that, you know, in that situation, how do we take advantage of that rather than the, well, we're copying it down from here and pushing up to there. Well, we don't have to do any of that. So, um, you know, we're looking at all of those hardware optimizations. It's that's certainly a slow go compared to the feature work, um, but that there are people assigned to all of that work right now. So, hmm. um, the second question there: How soon can we see MFR for previews? Um, you know, the guesstimate is probably six weeks from now, um, and that's really a guesstimate. Um, we do have to get. The project startup time removed. There is some UI and there are some bugs niggling away in there that we've got to, you know, figure out and sort out. Uh, but that's our goal is is probably about six weeks from now. So, yeah. Which is going to be, um, and again, I'm so excited <laughs> for this one. I can't even talk about it. Uh, one question I actually had um, is how is this going to affect uh, people who are using uh, those plugins, like we mentioned, like the Render Garden plugins. Um, I know there's a bunch of other ones that kind of do the same thing. Are those essentially going to become obsolete overnight uh, and only be useful for people doing like network rendering? Um, or is there still going to be a place for that? Um, it, it's a good question. I don't know if I have a, a full <laughs> vision of what what what's going to happen here. Um, the reality is, though, if they're taking advantage of something like AE Render, uh, now instead of them having to have multiple instances of After Effects basically hiding behind all of that, they could kick off one AE Render and they can, you know, hopefully will provide parameters. And so it'd be like, okay, this machine can really handle four and this can handle four. And so you could still use that separation. Um, the background rendering is still a scenario that's, you know, BG Renderer that's available, I think, on AE Scripts. Like, <laughs> One of the one of the pieces of feedback that we've received during the beta is, I know we told you to take over using all of our system resources, but now you use all of our system resources, <laughs> <laughs> and we can't chat, we can't do email, we can't do any of those things, right? So we understand there's going to be some sort of uh, need for saying, okay, render in the background, use half my system, use all my system, what you know, something. I don't know if that's us providing a slider or saying, okay, look, the script developers are out there like BG Render. We're just going to give you the functionality and then you guys can make the best mm. version of this that works for your customers. Um, mm. so my goal isn't to shut any of this ecosystem down. They've done an amazing job providing functionality After Effects didn't provide. I still think there's going to be a gap there, um, you know, even mm. when we're done. So Yeah. Well, and like what you're saying, like the whole system load thing, that's, that's not even for like those scripts or anything. Like you could have that exact same problem right here. Well, not right now, but once it's out of beta, like, yeah, yeah, you hit play in After Effects 
And now this YouTube video or whatever that you're watching becomes all choppy because you're using all the CPU usage. Um, it would it might be something like uh, I know there's a setting in the preferences to limit like how much RAM like mm -hmm. After Effects or, you know, all those other programs will use. Could there also yeah. be something like that? Say, hey, reserve two cores or, or, or something like that. Matt, I told you you're looking at my backlog. <laughs> <laughs> you need to hide it better. Uh, Put a better password on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that that is the concept, right? Now, the question okay, is, cool. do we present it as, uh, you know, leave me some amount of my cores? Is it, here's the types of tasks that I want to, like, we want to make that as user-friendly as possible. Mm -hmm. For our, you know, for the, for the average After Effects user, you know, there's certainly the high-end technical ones, but if I'm a designer who's, you know, working on a logo, do I understand the difference between reserving two or four cores? I don't know if I do, mm. but if I can say, hey, I still need to do email, maybe that's enough, right? And so we're just trying to find how we communicate this in the right way um, and and make that the best we can for, for the customers. So, but yes, it's, that's, that's, on the, that's on the backlog. So. Nice. Um, let me see here. You know, you know, I'm looking. I'm looking at Matt's notes. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, I kind of had a question more. Of, um, I suppose just in a different different thing. How how difficult has it been um, to implement all of this? I, I know I, I hear little things here and there. Um, the the small experience that I have that like, yeah. Oh, Adobe, Adobe is so terrible at multi-threading and blah, 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 things like that. Um, yeah. What, what have, what has been some of the, I guess the struggle in getting to this yep. point? Yeah. So, I mean, for you newer After Effects users, After Effects, the first bit of code for After Effects was written in 1994 or 1995. It was written on a Mac when there was no such thing as more than one processor, when, you know, a gigabyte of RAM was an incredible amount of RAM. Um, and you would be surprised how much of that code still exists today <laughs> in After Effects as it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, more than two years ago, uh, the After Effects team sat down and sort of looked at the architecture that exists today and said, okay, uh, we have this... So, up until multi-frame rendering and what you still use today in After Effects, there's basically a thread that controls all the UI interaction. And then there is this background render thread. And that's the thing that allows you, while you're previewing a, previewing a composition, to be able to change parameters and then the preview to, you know, eventually update and, and be able to do both of those things at the same time. That was done 6, 7, or it was version 13.5. So, you know, we're at version 18.1 that we're going to release in a couple of weeks from now. Um, so that's a long time ago. That's like five, six, seven years ago. Uh, that was when really the work started to separate and make it even possible for us to start thinking about multiple frames being rendered concurrently. But we only rendered one. Uh, and then the UI had its own sort of existence. So for the last two years, with all of that knowledge, the team has essentially had to walk through every line of code that is to do with rendering and After Effects. It's had to go, on th go through every bit of data that could be accessed potentially by more than one thread. And we've had to rewrite that code in one way or another. Sometimes it's as simple as just saying, only one thing can write to this at a time. Uh, in other cases, it's like, okay, we need to be able to handle the case where multiple threads are going to you know, interact with this simultaneously. And so we, we uh, 
we went through this process where we had nearly 35 different projects of code and they were assigned out to different people on the team and you would go meticulously line by line and you would we re, we built some tools which has been super fantastically helpful that allow us to quickly identify all the things we have to go look at but then you have to go look at them and you have to figure out what this means and what did the person who wrote the code actually mean this thing to do and when a lot of the team were barely born when After Effects was, you know, was was starting. They certainly don't have any history. So we've actually had the absolute privilege of having, you know, uh, Dave Simons and Dan Wilk and James Acabella, three guys who started After Effects, still work at Adobe. And so they have been very involved with us in this entire process. So every time we had a question like, what does this do? They actually had an answer, which was uh, amazing, right? <laughs> Um, their ability to recall their implementations from, you know, 1999 freaks me out, but uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful for them. Anyway, so long, long, long story, very short here, or finishing up, we basically had to walk through all of that code. And it has taken us nearly two years to not only walk through that code and get it um, thread safe, to do the 200 effects that we've had, and then to actually build the feature to support multi-frame rendering and make that work throughout the entire uh, system. So it's been a very long process. I know that this has been like one of the number one user voice requests for probably 25 years. No, not that long. Uh, and people complain and don't think that we're actually working on it. It's hard to talk about stuff until we know it's actually going to work. Um, but that's why you're seeing it now. And that's why the beta is so long, because we've tried to go as early as we possibly can. We wanted to make sure people got results. Actually, I wanted to mention one thing, Matt. Try this for me one day. Do a composition that only uses advanced lightning and do a multi-frame render check on that. Um, on the higher-end systems, we've seen 17 to 20 times faster uh, just using that plugin. I mean, it's just a byproduct of the plugin and the fact that we can do so much of it concurrently. But if you really want to see, you know, the, the upper echelon of what we can do without all of the work that we've still got to do, that that is a place to try. So, yeah, Well, I wrote that down because that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that, like, it might not be real because yeah, you know not. people would use just the one effect but still yeah yeah if you want to try it it, it, it can be incredibly fast so anyway <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> uh roland roland kallenberg on uh, youtube asks is faster than real-time previews and rendering a possibility or a goal uh long term yeah so um i think that's you know part of the 3d work we were sort of talking about earlier and intermixing that with the 2d system um is it is it is it a goal yes is it reality outside of sort of a physically based render app it's hard to know um i know it's really difficult when people see the unreal edit editor or you know an app you know um uh Unreal, or now I've forgotten my whole entire gaming world. Um, Unity. Unity, thank you. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, you know, when you look at those engines or other 3D engines and you look at games and you think, how is it that After Effects can't render, you know, more than four frames per second with a piece of text versus I can produce an entire world in Breath of the Wild and I can see, you know, 10 miles ahead of me, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just com two completely different spaces. We're talking about, you know, doing a raycast situation where I've got to pick up pixels, but everything is already ready. Like all the alpha layers are ready, all the pixel colors are ready, all the, you know, everything to do with what you're about to render 
has already been computed and you're just drawing at that point. Mm. Right? Now you might have Bloom and other stuff that sort of add post-processing effects, but you'll notice in most games they don't have that because the engine can't keep up with it. When it comes to After Effects, every single pixel and every single layer has to be looked at and calculated and affected. And that is just a computationally expensive thing to do. So even if we can move that into the GPU, now you've got to move all the data and all the other layers up into the GPU. You've got to move all the computes. There's a lot to do to sort of get to that place one day. Um, but that's that's certainly a vision and a goal that maybe one day, you know. And again, it's not purely about can we get to faster than real time. It's about can I help designers have more time to make the designs they want to make. And so whatever we can do, you know, short term and long term, that's that's our vision on that. Yeah. Well, and I know there's I mean, you mentioned all the other things that like are going on with the After Effects team, but there's all like the AI stuff, like the content aware fill, uh, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that was oh, that's probably yeah. like a year and a half ago. It was all yeah. added and the the Roto Brush 2 um, mm-hmm. that was just added. Like it's it's all yeah. about making people more efficient um so they have to spend less time doing the tedious things or less time waiting on things and more time you know actually creating and being creative and and doing the parts that require a human yep they're never going to be replaced by a computer you've got it exactly i mean that when we're looking through our product roadmaps it's how do we get those motion designers making their content faster and better and what are we doing that's in the way of that so if we can solve Mm -hmm. those problems that's where we're going to spend our time yeah, nice. so I know we're hitting the end of our, our, our stream. A um, couple of things I kind of wanted you just to reiterate on uh, for the people who, who weren't around earlier. Um, what's kind of the the next steps with this? Um, you know, what's going to happen before it comes out of beta? And then yeah. is there anything that people can do um, if they want to try it, if they if they run into any issues, what should they do? Um, and how can other people help out you guys? Yeah, that's great. Okay, so yeah, uh, as I had mentioned, you know, probably somewhere, and don't hold me to any of these numbers. <laughs> this code is really hard to get right. So every time I put a date down, I have to like double it and you know add ten or something like that. But uh, you know, we're looking at preview as the next thing that's going to come along, um, and so uh, you know, sometime in May is probably my best guess on that. Um, similar to that sort of time frame will be more of the dynamic composition analysis where we're adjusting, you know, concurrent frames based on complexity of composition. And then um, uh, then we'll add the things like the, the motion graphics template, templates, AE render, and Adobe Media Encoder. There is something we slipped into a release video, which none of us have mentioned today, which is we're <laughs> also going to be bringing notifications to the render queue. So oh. when you complete... Uh, a render job right now you get either a goat sound if it failed or you know a nice sound if it doesn't um but we're actually going to be introducing the concept of notifications through the creative cloud desktop app mobile app through email um, and other places you'll be able to get notifications when things succeed or your entire queue is done and so that's also coming you know in the in the next couple of months as well so we know a lot of people like i'm going home tonight and i'm going to start this render and then you come back in the morning and it's failed and you're like i just wasted eight hours uh we're going to solve that problem for you at least you know at least you knowing that it failed and so you can go to sleep um or remote in and start it again exactly that's it right so um you know right now we think there's probably still another another four months or so in beta uh you know some roughly that but 
we know what we need to do to ship, which is finish all the features I just talked about and the effects that we've got to go. Um, and we're not going to ship until we feel really good about it. When everyone mm -hmm. in the world wants to use this every day, it really has to work. Um, then again, we're not going to be still doing this this time next year. Like that is not going to be a thing. We're going to ship this. You can clearly see the benefits. We want to get that into people's hands. So how can you help right now? Uh, download, go to Creative Cloud Desktop, your app that you download all the apps from, find the beta section and install After Effects Beta. Install the rest of the betas too if you want, but start with After Effects Beta. Multi-frame rendering is turned on by default. So load your project, add it to the render queue, and try exporting it. Um, we also are hosting a benchmark project uh, that we delivered, and you can use that to compare your results against other people. Um, there is a After Effects beta forum that has all of the information about that. So that's probably the place that I would direct uh, everyone to go to, and uh, that will have all the information um, on where to find the benchmark project and where to post your projects to and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, well, man, uh, thank you so much for coming on this stream. Like, I was excited for this because I I had a whole bunch of questions that I wanted to know um, and like to, to learn about. And like, yeah, like, like I said a couple of times, this is probably one of the most exciting like feature updates. Honestly, maybe that I have ever like experienced like like hmm. myself. Like, there's, there's been like the GPU stuff, but a lot yeah. of that stuff, like, yeah, it was faster, but like, it wasn't three times faster. So I, I'm excited for it. And thank you very, very, very much for taking the time to come come out on this stream and yeah, help yeah. me learn about this and everyone else. Yeah, That's good, Matt. I appreciate Houston, you having me. Uh, maybe we follow back up once preview's ready or other stuff's ready and we can oh, yeah. sure. do a little session and, and show that off. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd also like to thank the audience for joining us today. For um, yeah. We do this every Friday. Uh, we have, we've recently kind of changed our content uh, schedule to a bit more of a potpourri. We're kind of sprinkling um, different. We've got outside experts like Sean coming in. We have our internal experts like Matt every once in a while. Uh, we also have consulting and support coming in every once in a while as well so we have a great great variety of content coming out for you guys every friday 1 p.m pacific so um mark your calendars for that and i'd just like to thank both of you matt and sean for joining us today uh it's been this was really really cool stuff thank you very much good and uh we'll see you guys all next time all right bye thank you guys bye